Because when I, when I look at Lori, I mean, I see someone that is young and, and vibrant and, and beautiful. So I, I think well, she was born in uh, 1962. So that means she was 60, I think she was 60 years old last year, and she's going to be 61. <clears throat> but, so that means my mother-in-law and father-in-law have, have been married for at least 61 years. Because <laughs> I know they didn't have Lori out of wedlock. So 62 years, maybe working on 63 years. And, and I know, I see them, and uh, they are always together. I mean, they take walks together. They read together. <clears throat> they, uh, they do projects together. If my father's, father-in-law, father-in-law is doing a project, you know, my mother-in-law is right beside him. You know, he, he loads the wheelbarrow and, and dumps the wheelbarrow and she rakes out. Uh, and then, you know, he gets the wood and she helps him carry it. And I mean, they do, they do everything together. And they love to go out to eat. They love to go out to, to breakfast together. They have the dine. I mean, they're kind of inseparable. And I didn't get that. I didn't get that until, I mean, I don't know when, but, but I get it now. And, Lori, I miss you. There's a seat right here, and it's empty. I just, I just love, I love being with her. I love, enjoy being with her. I, I love... The security, I guess, and the and the peace and the um, of knowing she's right there, she's right here, and uh, I guess that grew over the the past year, as the Lord was 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 carrying me and, and taking me through, you know, the situation He took me through. She, you know, the Lord is her priority, but the Lord being her priority, <clears throat> I became her priority, and. Uh, I mean, that's it. Everything else took second, third, fourth, fifth place. And, and I just was ministered to her by, by a wonderful love. And I just, man, I miss her. She'll be here tomorrow. She'll be here tomorrow. You can count on that. And um, I just, I just want to say, uh, again, thank you for all you guys do for me. All you guys do for Lori and I and for the ministry. And um, I get cards. I get letters. Um, and then your financial, your financial blessings, you know, they're, they're amazing. And I just love you. And you know what else I love? I love the fact that, I mean, for, for most of you, I'm not, your, I'm not your pastor, but you do, you know, you, you, you do, I think, pay attention to what I believe the Lord has for us, you know, through listening to, to, to him through me. And you place some some type of trust in that, and I just I, I just can't be thankful enough. I prayed for each and every one of you this morning. I see Jessica's on, and Jessica, I prayed for you, and I can't can't wait to hear the testimonies of victory. You are God's special and chosen daughter, and um, He is going to do amazing and marvelous and wonderful things through you. Of course, my mom she told me she's safe down there. They're all safe down in Florida. And my, my mother-in-law in South Carolina, I know they're doing well and uh, loving life. And, and Christina Chesie, Chesie, I call her Chesie. We used to serve together on a, <clears throat> an ushering team at a, at a former church. And, um, you know, we became such wonderful friends. 
And, um, you know, we, we, Chesie, I prayed for you, and I know you, you are living and walking into victory, and, and there's so many more of you. You know, Ida from Norway, Norway. And we, we, we pray blessings on, on Ida. We pray for all of you. And I thank you for you giving me that opportunity. And if there's ever more requests, you know, and, and you want us to stand in prayer, I pray for my mom, I pray for my family, I pray for, I just, I just go, go through the list. That's why I like coming in, in, into this place, you know, in the mornings before I broadcast, because I just pace and I walk and I pray. And, and God gives me, you know, he gives me words. And today he spoke to me. He spoke to me lovingly, compassionately, um, encouragingly. Is that a word? Encouragingly. If it's not a word, I just made it up. Encouragingly, you know, in an uplifting way. He taught me for about 30 minutes on prioritizing. And uh, um, it's something that, that Jesus knows how to do. He's very good at it, and, he's, and, he, and he does it well. And now he's going to show me how... By just letting him be, he's going to do it through me. And, and we just had a good talk about prioritizing. I know that's going to make my wife very happy. And, um, oh, baby, Jessica's ringing out tomorrow. Jessica, please, please, please make a video and send it to us because I can, I can, I can put it on. If, you know, if, if it's showable, okay, if you would like us to show it, you're ringing that bell. I remember when I rang the bell. I showed, I rang the bell. Victory day, victory day is tomorrow. And uh, so if you can share that with us, please do. And <clears throat> so the Lord spoke to me this morning about uh, prioritizing, encouraged me. Not, not, and you know what? He doesn't discipline. Well, you know, it, okay, I shouldn't say he doesn't, doesn't, does not discipline, all right? But we have <clears throat> um, sometimes our, um, our, definition or our belief of what dis discipline is it's not it's not the same as if, if God is disciplining disciplining us and see this is where you know I don't like to use the word because when we associate discipline we use we associate it with it you've done wrong you've been bad you know and now and now you know you got to pay the pay the price you got to pay the price you know um, and, and, and there's harshness with it. So there's another, another meaning for the word discipline. And I think of when I hear um, about, and I'll use sports, okay, because that's, for me, that's the best way I can picture it. I'll hear the announcer talk about the batter that is standing in the batter's box. And the pitcher is making pitches, and he's making purposely. He's making bad pitches. I hope you can understand it. He's making bad pitches. You know, there's there's home plate, and and there's what's called a strike zone. Okay, a strike zone where if you th throw the pitch in in that area, it's a strike. So when you when when you throw the pitch outside of that area intentionally. Um, intentionally, intentionally throw a pitch outside of that area, below that area, above that area, right? Outside that area. You're trying to get the batter to swing on what's called a ball. It's called a ball. 
It's called, it's a bad pitch. And the pitcher's trying to get that batter to swing at it. He doesn't want to throw a strike in the strike zone because, here we go, discipline. And the announcer will say about, you know, XYZ player, he's very disciplined when it comes to swinging at pitches in the strike zone. He's disciplined in that, in that his eyes only see a certain zone. His eyes see and hone in on a, on a specific area. He's, he's very disciplined in how he stands. He's disciplined in that there's not a lot of movement. He's not shaking his arms and shaking the bats and, and how to bring, cor- bring correction to, to, to a swing while a pitch is coming. He's very disciplined. His stance is, is, is almost perfect, you know? His vision is disciplined. So, see, that's a good way to understand the discipline I'm talking about. Yes, the Father disciplines us. What does he do? He instructs us <clears throat> in righteousness. He instructs us in holiness. holiness. He instructs us in righteousness living. By how? But how does he do it? How does he do it? And here it is. Listen, I'm showing you this. This I have a message. I have a message, okay? I have a message, but, but God has just given me this. For one reason, I don't know. Someone needs to hear it. It's just like the batter. He becomes disciplined in his meditation. In, in his thinking, his meditation and his thinking. And we know what the word of God says, as a man thinketh, so is he, right? The word of God tells us to meditate, right? To meditate on the word of God. On your word, I meditate both day and night. I meditate on it. I envision it. I see it. So as a man thinketh, ah, Proverbs 18, uh, I, it's either Proverbs 23, 17, or or Proverbs 18, 21, I get them mixed up. As a man thinketh, so is he, or death and life are in the power of the tongue. Which is part of, a, like we're talking about a batter, a batter's discipline. He is going to meditate. What is he going to meditate on? He's going to meditate on him standing in the batter's box, holding the bat steady. He's going to, he's going to envision himself, you know, I never could understand when a golfer hits a golf ball, that golf ball is straight and it's laying there. It's laying there on a golf tee for him to hit it. But everybody has to be quiet, right? I don't understand it. Or at a tennis match, we're having fun today, okay? Or at a tennis match, when, when, that, when that, tennis, uh, that tennis player is going to throw the tennis ball up to serve it, quiet, please, but a batter, right? He's facing a pitcher. That's throwing curveballs and knuckleballs and fastballs, right? And sometimes, I mean, we're 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 they're reaching they're reaching speeds of 95 to 100 101, 102 miles per hour. And while that's happening, okay, right? The catcher is like, hey, batter, how you doing, man? I heard you had a rough night last night. You know, you were out with the boys. You drank one, one, you drank one drink too many. You know, hey, I bet that head is hurting you, right? And this catcher, believe it or not, man, he's talking, which is called junk to that batter, right? The umpire doesn't say, shh, quiet. No, 
And the fans, if it's an opposing batter, they're yelling, loser, loser, loser. Hey, you're a bum. Hey, you're a bum. Hey, you can't see the right, the, the, the broad side of a barn if you were standing up next to it. I mean, and they'll shout other obscenities. And you, could, and you could imagine a ballpark when there's 50,000, 60,000 or more people, and they're all standing up and they're yelling at, at the top of their, 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 their voice. I mean, with all their voice, with all their, can you see, I'm sure you've seen it at a sporting event, you know? And this batter, it's like it doesn't phase him. Why? Because he's become disciplined. He's meditated, right? He's envisioned. He's, he's, he's looked at himself. Standing in the batter's box. He's looked, he's looked at himself. He's seen himself shutting out the crowd. He's, he's envisioned himself seeing the ball coming from the pitcher's hand. He's envisioned himself only swinging at strikes. He's envisioned himself making contact with the ball. Okay? So how does God discipline us? Not by saying, I told you so. I told you this was going to happen. I, I told you, I, I, I warned you. Now you have to pay the price. Now you have, to, you have to pay the fiddler. I don't know how that goes. Yeah, pay the fiddler, pay the fiddler. I don't know how that, but you have to pay the price. Now you have, to, you have to bear the brunt of your, no. How does he discipline us? He instructs us in righteousness. He instructs us in righteousness. He instructs us in true holiness. And how, do he, how does he does this? By showing us and taking us to a picture of Jesus Christ. Okay? He tells us that in his foreknowledge, God is omniscient. He's, he's, he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And in his being all, all omniscient and in knowing all things, he knew we would make that decision for Christ. And in his foreknowledge, he determined that at that decision, he would conform us, he would make us into an exact and duplicate copy of his son, Jesus Christ, the firstborn amongst many brethren. He also knew that as he called and we answered the call and we believed in our heart unto righteousness and made confession with our mouth, mouth unto salvation, that he would fully justify us, and fully make us righteous, and then glorify us. So what is his greatest method of discipline? By having his Holy Spirit come and show us Jesus. Take us to where we have a picture of Jesus. Take us to where we meditate on Jesus. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Three, verse 18 is all about where it tells us we beholding as in an image the glory of the Lord are changed into that image from glory to glory that means come and look come and meditate come and look come and meditate and as you come and look and as you come and meditate from glory to glory, you are changed into that image by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. So this is how he trains us 
And this is how he corrects us. And this is how we become disciplined by God in our walks, by being shown over and over and over again Jesus Christ and knowing that we are looking at ourselves, that as, as he is, so are we. It's like the batter in the batter's box. He's looking in the mirror, and he's seeing the, the man in the mirror, okay? Now, you see, the thing about it is the, the mirror is going to reflect him. So he's going to look at the man in the mirror. Now, now, he can't see himself. He can only see the image of himself, right? And so he knows, oh, hold the bat up a little bit more. He knows, bend a little bit more at the knees. He knows, open up the hips a little bit more. He's looking at, he knows, okay, take that, that front foot, that lead foot, and, 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 and point it more towards the pitcher. And then he looks at the image in the mirror and he sees the correctness of stance. And that's where he develops his meditation. And that's the image that he keeps in his mind. But you see, this is the beauty. This is the beauty of Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he determined that they would be conformed into the exact image, duplicate copy of his son, Jesus Christ, the firstborn amongst many brethren. Because whom God called, right? And who answered, he determined that they would be declared and made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, and he would glorify them. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, as we come to the mirror, and behold the glory of the Lord. We are changed from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit. So, the thing about God, God's mirror, is when we come up to the mirror, we don't see a reflection of ourselves. We don't see a reflection of ourselves that, that tells us what we have to do or what we have to change. See, that's what religion wants you to think God does. No. But what God does is shows us an image as we come to his mirror, Jesus Christ. And we see that image and we see Jesus Christ. We see the perfection. And that God wants us to know you're looking at yourself. You're looking at yourself. You're looking at yourself. You're already this person. You're already this person. You're already just as Jesus Christ. And what do we have to do? Believe it. Believe it. Believe it and become it. Believe it and become it. You are. You are just the person that God says you are. You are holy. You are righteous. You are complete. You are perfect. Now, the transformation becomes complete. Just as Romans chapter 12, 
Verse 2 tells us, by the renewing of our mind, by the renewing of the truth, by the envisioning of the real, you and I, which is just as Jesus Christ. Religion doesn't want you to do that. Religion wants to keep you in the muck and the mire, believing that you're a sinner. Believe, you know that I was going to read a portion of Scripture, and I'm going to just read this portion of Scripture just for one, for one reason and one reason only, to, to prove a point. This is from Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7, and I'll be reading. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do what I wanted to do today tomorrow, unless the Holy Spirit has something else. Starting with verse 3, listen to what Paul says. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Whenever Paul talks about the sinful nature, he talks about it being in the past. We were, as some of you were, as we once were. He never uses that language about our present condition. And that's the truth and the whole truth behind 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old order has passed away. Behold, the new order has come. Paul only identifies us in the new order and of the new order. And that's the only way I will identify you, just as God does. I met someone yesterday who Lori and I are we're friends with, and we used to attend the same church uh, as, they, as they attend. And I was telling her, you know, because I know they hear things about the gospel that I preach. The gospel that I preach is the gospel that Paul preaches. And we were talking about righteousness, and I was talking about the different verses, and you can see that she was contemplating the verses that I was sharing with her as if she didn't hear them. She might not have heard them, not the way that she was hearing them right then and there. And I was telling her how the greatest disservice we do to people is by telling them they're sinners saved by grace, when that was the former. And that verse, in every single translation, indicates past tense. And how the verse right after it says, but now we are all freely justified through faith in Jesus Christ by God the Father. So verse 24 gives the new definition to verse 23. And then I told her, you know the Bible is true, from the beginning to the end, and she agreed. And I said, and that's the problem. And she looked at me like, oh boy, he is a heretic. I said, and that's the problem. And you know why it's a problem? 
And she just looked at me like, oh, you're going to tell me. I said, because it's filled with various covenants. And in Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus said, lo, it is written in the volume of the book, I came to do your will. And that was to do away with the first covenant. Do away with it. Cancel it out. Zero it out. And bring in the new. The problem with many preachers in the pulpits today is they don't know how to separate the covenants. She got it. Now, this person is very strong and very boisterous in her opinion, and she just took it in, and I praise God she did. And you see, I am only going to talk to you, I am only going to speak to you in our new covenant and in new creation realities. Truthful, truthful scriptures on who you are, what you have, and what you can do. The true gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's why you listen. I love you guys. And I can't wait to see you again tomorrow morning with Lori at my right hand. Walk in your blessings. And Jessica, if you can, share that ringing bell moment with us. We would greatly appreciate it.